You're listening to The Wedding Whisperer with Sarah Burton of Simply Love Studio in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm very excited to be chatting with our first speaker on The Wedding Whisperer podcast today, Diane Kellum, owner of Type A Catering and Events based in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Type A Catering has been a Simply Love Studio preferred vendor for almost a decade. Type A is a boutique wedding caterer, which means she's very hands-on when you choose to work with her for your wedding day. Diane, thank you for being here today. I'm excited for you to shed some light for Kentucky couples on planning their wedding. Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. It's my pleasure to be here. I like what I do, and I think that one of the best things I can do is educate my couples, and I guess in this case, the couples that are listening to this podcast on what it really costs to put that Instagram-worthy wedding together, specifically on the reception side. I mean, I can tell you that flowers are expensive, but I can tell you more what that tent looks like cost-wise when you look at tables and chairs and the food being served and the beverages being served and oh, well, if you pick this linen, it's $20 and this linen, it's $40. And is your budget such that that doesn't matter? The key to wedding planning and being budgetarily mindful, which is, I think, kind of the topic we're covering, is being aware that all of these little expenses add up. It's a dollar here, it's $3 here, but it's times 50, 100, 200 people. So suddenly taking something that costs $3 more, well, it's a $600 expense if you're having 200 guests. So I also think that this is a, what's your ROI or return on investment? Some places we splurge. I think it's totally worth splurging. Some places your guests will not know, they will not remember, and the day of, you will not think about the fact that you agonized over picking A or B. Absolutely. So pre-pandemic, I would say our average cost of weddings in the Lexington area was about eighteen to 20000 Where do you think that number sits now? That's a little hard for me to answer because I probably live in the higher end of that range. Probably pre-pandemic, I would say my average couple was spending between thirty and forty thousand, which sounds like a lot of money. Because let's be honest, it is a lot of money. Post-pandemic, probably I would say you're looking at fifty percent higher. So I would say now my couples are spending between 45 and 60. Okay. And where do you think your couple's average guest count wise? For 2022, we've done a lot of weddings that are between 80 and 120, maybe 150. I don't know that we've done any 200 plus weddings. Now, part of that is kind of the niche. I mean, every year what we book varies. Some years I'll work at a venue a ton. And then the next year I won't work there at all. Just because when you talk, I tell people the boutique catering, we typically limit ourselves to one full service wedding on a day. I really like to do one in a weekend. It lets us concentrate on the client and their details. 
But what that also means is if I have booked October 14th in May of the year before, I'm going to spend the next six, eight, 12 months telling people we're no longer available on that date. And that translates to my having probably not quite the breadth of knowledge of what is common besides for us. This year, we're going to have done 22 weddings. And so my 22 weddings, we've been, I would say we're averaging about 120 guests. Pre-pandemic, was that higher? Probably. Probably. I would say that 150 was more the norm. Well, I think there's two things going on. One, I think people were more strategic in their guest count. And part of that is budget-driven. Obviously, when you're spending, we're going to make the math easy, if you're spending $45,000 on a wedding and you're having 150 guests, you're spending $300 a person on that wedding. Now, some of that stuff is guest independent, but a lot of those things are how many guests do you have, which translates to how many tables do you need? How many people are you feeding? How many centerpieces? All of those things. And so I think post-pandemic, people were a little bit more strategic in their guest count, partially because money. And also it's like, okay, do I need to have as many people. I mean, I think there are some people who the pandemic is totally in their rearview mirror, but there are still people that for whatever reason, whether they have family that has health issues, they personally have health issues, they're trying to keep things a little bit more intimate just to avoid the people. Okay. So based on an overall budget, do you still think that food and beverage is about 30% of the budget for couples? Or do you think that that has gone up? I think it's probably up. I think that it's very easy to underestimate what you're going to spend. In my world, that food and beverage typically is more than food and beverage. When I send somebody a proposal, it's going to have food and beverage, but it's also going to have staff. And as everyone knows, staffing has become more and more difficult, finding people to come work. And one of the ways we're ensuring that people come work is we're paying them more than we did pre-pandemic. We've added a gratuity, partially because you know what? My staff works really hard and it's a lot easier to go, hey, this is going to be a hard night and we're going to lug lots of China up and down stairs and here, there, and yon when they know at the end of the night they're getting a bump for the fact that they've worked so hard. So all of that combined, I think probably you could be at 40 to 50, but it kind of depends on how you divvy up that pie. You've got this 100%, which is the total cost of the wedding. If you get on any budget calculator, they'll tell you venues 10%. Well, in Lexington, venues never been 10%. They are very, very, very few that come anywhere close to that. And then the next question becomes, okay, what does venue include? Does venue include tables and chairs? Or are you gonna are you renting essentially ground that you're then gonna have to put a tent up on? Does your venue include linens? Does your venue have China? Because what we do is, as an offsite caterer, a lot of times we're starting with a blank canvas. 
we have a venue. And then the question is, okay, what do we need from there? We were at a venue earlier this fall where, yes, they have a barn. And so, yes, our clients spent all this money renting this venue and this barn. And that got them a bathroom trailer and it got us kind of a kitchen space, but we still had to rent a tent because their vision for their wedding required more space than the barn allowed for. So we used the barn for dinner, but we brought in a 40 by 80 tent with a stage. So we had room for a band and cocktail hour, and that's where the bars were. So I think that the the challenge is 30% for food and beverage, maybe, but by the time you add all the things that allow food and beverage to be executed, I think a lot of our clients are pushing 50%. I would agree with that completely. So when we're talking about a menu and a couple is planning out the different types of menu options, walk me through some of the different options that they have and pros and cons of each of them. So probably the three most commonly executed styles of service we handle are buffets, plated, or family style. It's funny because I'll sit down with a client and they'll think, well, a buffet is going to be more because you don't know how much food people are going to eat. And there is some truth to that. But even in today's world, food is cheaper than staff. And so plating requires more staff, especially multi-choice plating. And what does that mean? That means that if I have a table that has eight guests, I need to know at table two, I need four chicken plates, two vegetarian plates, and two beef plates. So that when we serve, I need that same breakdown and know where it's going. So that just takes more people. It takes more people in the kitchen space plating. It takes more staff juggling. Okay, when they walk out of the kitchen, they have, I have three people and between them, they have my eight plates and they're the eight correct plates. So honestly, that's the most expensive. And it also lends itself to more expensive food. I'm going to probably put beef tenderloin on a plate of dinner, whereas I'm less likely to put it on a buffet. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we carve it on a buffet. But plated meals tend to be more expensive plates. Family style is kind of this middle ground between the two. And people like it. It kind of died a little bit with the pandemic and is now coming back some. It has the advantages of a buffet in that your client gets to, the guest gets to pick what they want on their plate, but they don't have to get up and get it. However, it requires about as much staff as plated. So there's really no cost savings between plated and family style. The most budget-friendly option is going to be a buffet. And then it breaks down to how much of a budget are we having to be mindful of. My favorite option, if we are doing a buffet, is to do a plated salad. So wherever clients are for cocktail hour, when guests come into the space, which is the dinner space, they sit down, their salad is there. So their bread's on the table, the dressing's on the table, the butter's on the table, so the guests can sit down They can get started on that. So they're eating their salads while the couple's being introduced. They're doing a welcome. They're doing a prayer. 
Maybe they're doing their first dances and then people buffet their main course. And the advantage to that is if you do have a larger guest count, your guests have gotten something to eat before they go through the buffet. Probably the least common thing that we do these days are appetizers. We're more likely to do stations than we are to do appetizers. The challenge is, is people think stations are going to be less expensive and they're not. They're probably going to cost you as much or more than a nicer buffet meal. And that's because while at first glance they look less, for instance, we sell a taco station for about $10 a person. That's not the only, you can't just buy the single solitary taco station. I'm going to tell you that you have to do a minimum of either a display or grazing table or four past appetizers during cocktail hour and a minimum of three stations. So suddenly, yes, your tacos are $10, but your southern station's nine, and maybe you're carving tenderloin with some potatoes and salad. So while it might seem like it'll be less by the time you're done. Maybe you're at 38 or $40 a person for the three stations because we're assuming that guests are going to take something from all and none of those stations are priced as if they are the single item guests are eating. So talk to me a little bit about cocktail hour. So a lot of times guests, obviously the bar will open during cocktail hour and you mentioned grazing station as a possibility. How important is it to have food during cocktail hour? Is that something for you just to upsell and make money or is that something that you really believe a couple should have? I would convince a client to spend less on what they're spending for dinner in order to have food during cocktail hour. That's kind of how strongly I feel about it, partially because Most of our clients are providing an open bar. And so I really, really, really want to get some food into those guests along without alcohol. And I think it's a long day. It's a busy day. Sometimes there are awkward times of days for weddings. So I think it's always nice if once the ceremony is over, we give clients food. Now, if you're being mindful of your budget, do cocktail hour, do a cheese board, do a charcuterie board. It's less expensive to do something that is stationary than something past for two reasons. One, less staff. Two, less equipment. Sometimes we're in a venue where there is no kitchen. And so I have to sit with the client and go, okay, what do you want this menu to look like? And some of those decisions are driven by what's available as far as the facilities at the venue. If you have budget, I can bring in a full kitchen. I can bring in ovens. I can bring in stovetops, warmers, fryers, anything to execute. But if budget is an issue, you might want to sit and go, okay, let's have brisket instead of some kind of roast beef that I'm worried about temping because brisket, it gets smoked and then it's in barbecue sauce and it hangs out and stays wonderful. If I'm doing beef tenderloin, I have to put that in the oven about 90 minutes before I'm going to serve, which means it needs to be finished on site, which means I bring in an oven. And that's that's about $500. 
And that oven will get me maybe 150 guests. You go over that 150, suddenly I need another oven. And all of that adds up. So we've talked about how the venue, the catering, and the bar truly is about 50% of your budget in the Lexington area. Let's talk a little bit about bar. I see a lot of couples wanting to either do a cash bar, do an open bar, do a consumption bar, bringing in their own alcohol. Share a little bit about your thoughts on the bar as a whole. I know you do a lot of bars, things that maybe couples don't even realize that they need for the bar. We do do a lot of bars and I'm kind of mean. I won't cater a wedding and allow the client to bring in the alcohol. And there are a whole host of reasons for that. Part of it's liability. Part of it is control. I own a business called Type A Catering. I'm a lot type A. And that translates to the fact that if you bring in your own alcohol, I don't have control over it. And part of that comes down to what does the end of the evening look like? I sell you a four-hour open bar, a four-and-a-half-hour bar, or a five-hour bar. I won't sell more than a five-hour bar. No one needs it. After five hours of open bar, guests are done. The problem is they don't always think they're done. And you might not think you're done because by then you've had a little bit to drink. And so if it's my alcohol and it hit, we hit four and a half hours, my bartender shut the bar down. And we typically do what I call a soft close. So like as they're packing up, they'll pull the stoppers from the liquor. But eh, can I have a bourbon and Coke? No, but you can have a beer. And we'll hand out some beers while they're packing up. So it's a little bit nicer than being like, nope, you're done. You're cut off. But I pack up. We stop serving. The problem is if you bring in the alcohol, by then everybody thinks, oh, we should just keep drinking. And that is when bad decisions are made. So that first and foremost is one of the reasons because it takes the alcohol out of your control at the end of the night when everyone has been drinking. As far as open bar versus consumption bar versus cash bar for weddings, I'll be honest. I realize that some people need to do a cash bar because they want alcohol and their budget doesn't allow them to pay for an open bar. Personally, I think they're tacky. You're inviting guests to your wedding. I think if you cannot afford to have an open bar, either maybe choose not to or maybe work with your caterer. We did a wedding a few weeks ago where the client, they wanted a bar. They hosted cocktail hour. and. They, once cocktail hour was open, then we went to cash. And so it it was some part of it, but I think that this is one of those where I just, I don't love it just, and that maybe that's the Southern piece of me that it, that I think if you're hosting a wedding, that part of hosting is you're paying for it. But I, I realize at the same time, that's not always an option. Open versus consumption is a real question that I can't answer. And I tell my clients that probably more of our clients do an open bar versus a consumption bar because consumption bars scare them. The truth of the matter is if I sell you a four hour open bar going right right now for us is $20 per person for four hours. That is a full bar. That's bourbon, vodka, wine, beer, all of the things, all the mixers, all the soft drinks, all the parts and pieces. And I can't tell you if 
you would be better off doing a consumption bar. Now, here's the math on this. A domestic beer is going to be $4. So over the course of four hours, are your beer drinkers going to drink five beers? Are your wine drinkers going to drink three glasses of wine? Are your liquor drinkers going to drink two to three? Because that's how the math works for what a four-hour open bar costs versus consumption versus open. I can't answer that. Frequently, the thought is that the non-drinkers or the less drinkers will be offset by the more drinkers. And so our clients would rather pay the flat amount and know it's done. We carry liquor liability. All of our bartenders are star certified. There is some confusion in the state. You'll have people go, you just need a licensed bartender. And I smile and then I go, there is no such thing in the state of Kentucky. The state runs a class that's the star certification that basically tells people how to look at an ID and go, hmm, yeah, you're 20. And this says you're 24 and it's from North Carolina and I'm in Kentucky at a wedding in Kentucky. So you know what? I'm going to choose not to serve you because I think this idea is fake. That's what star certification does. It is not a license. The only license is going to be held by a caterer because there is no other license that applies unless your venue is licensed. So in regards to insurance, if you provide the bar for a couple, do you still recommend that they get their own wedding insurance as a whole? Yes. And it's not just because of the bar. I think, unfortunately, that it, it is a small amount of money in the scope of what's being spent on the wedding. And typically, that, that insurance covers much more than the bar. Yes, it's going to cover you if something should happen, but we just went through a pandemic. We had clients who their wedding insurance, when they were forced to cancel or reschedule, their insurance either repaid them their deposits or paid the difference between the rescheduling fees. And so I think that, I mean, you're talking two, three, four hundred dollars in the scope of what you're spending on this wedding. It is absolutely money well spent. So to wrap things up, let's give couples the lowest amount that they could feed their guests for per person versus probably the highest that they would spend in the Lexington area. Are you, do you want, like with someone like me, the lowest, or do you want me to tell you how do you feed a whole bunch of people cheaply? That. <laughs> Honestly, you go to Kroger and you order fried chicken. I mean. That's it, actually a really good idea. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it is. And now what are you going to put with it? That becomes the issue. I mean, I tell couples. There are several barbecue companies locally that we have good relationships with. If somebody is, if barbecue is in their wheelhouse of what they're looking for for their wedding, they're going to be a much more budget-friendly choice than I'm ever going to be. People are paying me for the fact that we're scratch cooking, not necessarily barbecue. Can we do it? Yes. Do we sell a ton of smoked brisket? Yes. But we sell it with things that are also not pulled pork and, and all of that stuff. I would say on the low end, you're probably looking at spending 
30-ish dollars a person for barbecue range with disposable and limited service. On the high end with someone like me, you're probably spending 120. And that is say 40 to 45 on a plate. And that's going to be a plate that's got tenderloin, beef tenderloin, and maybe potatoes and asparagus and a crab cake and a salad. You're going to spend another 10-ish on cocktail hour. If you want to spend more, I can sell you a raw bar or I can sell you shrimp on an ice sculpture. Save 45 for your plate. 10 to 15 at cocktail hour, you're at 60 right there. A open bar for five hours. If we add dinner wine service, you're probably pushing 30. So that's 90. And then you still have staff and then you still have rentals. So, I mean, it's not hard if you're on the high end of that. If you have $50,000 to plan a wedding or $40,000, whatever that number is, the big thing, I think the first decision is what is most important to you? Are you interested in a more intimate, fancier wedding? At which point that $40,000 plans a different wedding for 50 or 60 people than it does for 150 people. So I would say the thing people get in trouble with is they make lots of decisions for weddings, but they don't connect all the dots as far as, okay, what is most important is the number of guests. Did I go to college in Lexington and was I in a sorority and a fraternity? And am I somebody that walks in the room with my my arms wide and says, I'm here and the party can start? At which point you have 200 plus people that are coming to your wedding. Well, that's fine. If that's your goal, and then you have a budget, then you have to figure out how those two meet in the middle. Perfect. Well, Diane, thank you so much for shedding some light on catering and budget when it comes to Lexington, Kentucky area weddings. Thanks for having me. For more information about Simply Love Studio or to schedule your wedding consultation, go to simplylovestudio.com.